In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Whether it be clearing four-mile run, soccer field, which in my days of playing JV at Bishop Ireton was just strewn with rocks and dirt, or clearing out a garden and, and being part of a, a work crew that would pull out rocks and pebbles. If you've had the experience of clearing a field, making it smooth, you realize that it's, it's an almost endless task. In fact, year after year, you need to go back and, you know, send out the little ones, bribe them if you need, and tell them, you know, grab as many pebbles, as many rocks as you can, and, you know, get them out of the field. Consider your Lent in a similar fashion. We're trying to make the path for our Lord smooth. Make the way open for Him. The winding road shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Every year this penitential season, not quite as penitential as Lent, because Christmas is not quite as glorious as Easter, bids us to to reflect and to remove from our life anything that gets in the way of the true joy of celebrating our Lord's entrance into the world. At the conclusion of, of Mass, the prayer after communion, you will hear me offer this prayer. Replenished by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our partaking in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and hold firm to the things of heaven. Even in the, the Latin prayer for the ordinary mass, the, the words would be exactly the same. The traditional prayer that's been used for over a millennium adds a, a slightly finer point to it. Um, I'll read it in Latin and then translate it for you. Repleti cibus spiritualis alimoniae supplices te domini de precamur, ut huius participatione misteri docias nos terena despicere et amare celestia. The first three lines are identical. Until it gets to that by our participation in these mysteries, you may teach us to despise the things of the earth and to love the things of heaven. When we're sorting through the rocks in the fields, the soccer field or the vegetable garden, it's pretty, pretty obvious the rocks don't belong here. We need good soil. Crops don't grow in rocks. Soccer isn't played in gravel. So it's very clear this is, has got to go. There's no, there's no discernment. Now the discernment might come in a particularly crusty piece of dirt that almost looks like a rock, but you maybe you press your, your thumb and your fingers through it and you realize, oh, it's just dirt. This doesn't have to go. Both prayers bid us do the same reflection. Anything that would not lead me to heaven has got to go. It can't be part of my life. Some things actually I, I need to, I, I, I do need to sort through. Maybe it, maybe it doesn't have to be um, a danger to me. I can turn it into something that's beneficial to me. We see this clearly. There are some people that simply 
always talk about immoral things when I'm in their company. Guess what? Let's try to avoid their company. There are other friendships, other relationships where the conversation doesn't always have to go south. I can, I can either ignore the bad things so they leave the conversation or I can, I can steer the conversation back. That can be healed. That can be, that can be, that rough way can be made smooth. And so in this sense, we're, we're being taught to despise those things that stand in the way between us and God. In the same way that our Lord teaches us about relationships between father and son and mother and mother-in-law and daughter and even ourselves, we need to be willing to hate those things that stand between us and God. He wants us all to love each other, but he doesn't want anything to compete with the only love that can bring us joy in this world and everlasting life in heaven. The love of God. Nothing can compete with that. That's very different from uh, a way of despising things and people, which we see outside of Christianity. We've got two new celebrity terrorists, right? The, the terrorists of the week. And, and the world is perplexed. How did they, how did they come to espouse extremist violent ideologies? And the secular world, whether it be the secular government or secular people, are, are, are straining at the gnat to find some socioeconomic circumstance or some psychological syndrome that accounts for the violence that they wreaked on another American town. When the very pages of the same secular newspapers explain where they learned how to practice Islam. And it's not as though it's a particularly radical strain, as though there's a different book. No, it's the regular book. This is the book that teaches them, quote, O you who believe, do not take the Jews and the Christians for friends. They are friends of each other, and whoever amongst you takes them for a friend, then surely he is one of them. Surely God does not guide the unjust people. And he then teaches them as well in a different surah, different chapter. As for those who disbelieve, surely neither their wealth nor their children shall avail them in the least against God. And these it is who are the fuel of the fire of hell. There's a difference between a Christian distance from the world that we would articulate at times as despising the world and hoping that the world just goes up in a ball of flame. A world of difference. Remember, today's December 6th. We're the religion that gave the world Saint Nicholas. Today's his feast day. If you're, if you love Saint Nicholas, it's not too late. You, after mass, put your pajamas back on, go back to bed, put that red stocking on your doorknob, put those doors, those, those shoes outside your door, and maybe one of Saint Nicholas' ambassadors will uh, share, share the wealth. This is the great saint, a truly manly saint who defended the divinity of Christ and the doctrine of the Trinity and at the same time strove anonymously to rescue young girls from being sold into white slavery. This is the religion that loves the poor, that loves everyone, that wants everyone to go to heaven, that wants to rescue everyone from hell not pat them on the back as they go along their way. And so we pray 
for for a true, vigorous Christian spirit, one that loves God fiercely, and because of that, loves every human being, even our enemies. The Christian martyrs don't go to their deaths breathing curses and threats of violence. But they repeat the words of their Savior, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the religion in which God is made flesh, came into the world to live among us, to suffer with us, to endure our wretched condition, to remind us of all the good things that are in the world that lead to heaven, all the beautiful things in the world that remind us of God's beauty, and even allows us to enjoy them as we continue the struggle, as we complete our pilgrimage, and make our way to the Father's glory. We have two more weeks and change for Advent to be a time to purify ourselves so that, Christ, so that Christmas isn't a time to revel in the material things that, that don't necessarily lead us to heaven, let alone the sinful things that do lead us to hell. But maybe an opportunity for us to cling to everything that brings us to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.